The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer and welcome to the virtual CISO moment. Sherry Hotman joins us. She is the partner and VCISO of the Hotman Group. She has her CPA, her, an MBA, and CISSP, which is a very eclectic mix. So Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting. I'm super excited to get to chat with you and anybody who will listen to this. So thank you. So I am very excited to hear your path about how and why you started in cyber. And, and again, you don't see many um, in the field that have both the, you, sometimes you'll see a CPA and an MBA. Sometimes you'll see an MBA and a CISSP, but I, I don't think I've ever seen all three together. So um, start at the beginning. Why did you get into cyber and, and then go through your path up to where you're at today? Well, I think my path is probably similar to many people's paths. We we kind of have a plan, but then sometimes we trip and fall our way into into a space that we really didn't ever expect to be in. Yeah, that's me. That's me too. <laughs> so when I was, of course, in my 20s, I went to college and was like, hey, what am I going to do? Oh, you know what? I'll just do this accounting thing. I've always liked numbers. And so I'll get my CPA license, might as well go ahead and do that. Um, I worked and then at the, I graduated from UTD in Texas. And so then had the opportunity to continue on and get my MBA. So I thought, you know, once I get older and have a family, it's going to be harder to go back to school. So I'm just going to do it now. So I just got all that done. Pa uh, went to take the CPA exam, passed that, worked in accounting for a whole whopping um I want to say whatever one month past the requirement was like 13 months. And it's like as a staff accountant, you know, traditional accountant role. And it's just not my thing. Like I get bored doing the same thing over and over again. There are some people who are made to do that. I'm not one of those people. I like diversity. I like things changing. You know, that's kind of how I thrive. So always had a technical bent. Um, you know, I don't want to reveal my age, but uh, I was working on computers when I was very young when they weren't that you know, they were still new on the scene, but, um, so just then kind of leaned and I got this job where I was accounting, but then I was also kind of the IT person as well. So then that started the journey. I definitely love tech because, you know, it's so diverse. So my whole career was in, was in tech. And so I did, you know, did DBA developer, eventually started doing project management, but, you know, all on the technology side. And then a funny thing happened. Thank you, Enron, Houston, Texas. <laughs> they decided to do some crazy stuff, right? And so now what happened, you started, and if you go back and look, you'll, it, it shifted, right? And so now those those disciplines and those practices and the risk and the controls and all that structure that I remember learning in college and accounting, it started to creep into the IT space. And so now you started getting the IT general controls and, oh, we need to have the structure. And then now breaches started to happen. The internet started growing and breaches started happening. Or, or we started to hear about them. We started <laughs> I, to hear about them. It, That's it may have exactly happened right. before and we just didn't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so that whole, you know, everybody's like, well, what does this mean? It started to scramble. And so then here comes the birth of the, the, the cybersecurity space. And so I've of course was in it and tech. And then I had the great opportunity. I worked for a global bank, uh, in, uh, two, uh, in, and in 2011, I was already there before that, but 2011, I got the, uh, 
great opportunity to build out and run the entire governance risk compliance practice for a global bank. And so Mm -hmm. that was for the IT and then work across the organization and work with the parent company. And that was just like amazing experience and dealt with auditors and regulators and all of those people and trying to put structure around this stuff. And, you know, quite frankly, tech and security people, they don't, they don't like all that. So they were glad to have somebody step up to try to put some structure for that. So that's kind of how it happened. In 2016, I decided to leave the bank and start Hotman Group because I just truly love what I do. And it's so fascinating and it adds so much value into organizations to really build out this structure of what is this program look like for keeping your business safe. And then now security compliance has come on the scene and customers are like, hey, I want this validation that you do security. And so it all just kind of birthed out of that. And so for the last, gosh, what has it been, six, six, seven years? I've had the great opportunity to, from a practitioner standpoint, doing this stuff myself, now really help companies that are trying to figure out which end is up with all this cybersecurity, security compliance, this framework, that framework, how do I answer my customers, what my board is bugging me, like, I don't even know what all this means. And so that's, that's really the high level of the journey. So I'm going to pivot a little bit um, on that. I have started to do a really short series on YouTube only, well, YouTube and LinkedIn, talking about what I've learned about being an independent consultant, a business owner, the good, the bad, the ugly. And actually um, just recently talked with a good friend of mine. uh, That'll be probably, it's probably already out. I probably already dropped it um, uh, by the time that our talk gets out. But anyway, I find it fascinating to hear from other folks about what they've learned as far as starting a business. So if there was just one thing that you could, one piece of advice that you could give those in cybersecurity that are thinking about becoming an independent consultant, what would that one piece of advice be? Well, ooh, there's a lot of that. Uh, I guess, I I mean, you know this because you're a business owner as well. It's funny, my husband actually framed it in this. I call it the land of a thousand piranhas and I give credit <laughs> to Trent Hosman. But that's what running a business is. One piranha, while it might take a plug out of you, uh, a thousand piranhas is going to kill you. And so that's what running a business is like. If you, if somebody's wanting to kind of branch out on their own, that you have to, you know, survey what you've got to do. It's not just to be an expert in cybersecurity. What's your marketing plan? If you're going to get additional help, what's your HR plan? What's your strategy? Do you have funding, cash flow? I mean, you know, these are like normal parts of running a business. And then, you know, I've made the mistake and I still struggle with trying to do everything myself. And the reality is you kind of, yep, it's easy to do. And you got to let that go. And you got to go find people and let people come alongside you and really augment with their skills skill sets to make the whole thing better. And so that's actually what I would say is one, you know, you keep yourself like tip top certifications, latest trends, whatever, but then you've got to start to look at this business practice around just the thing that you do. And what is that going to look like? You're going to get a partner that's good at that side of the house and you can focus over here. You can try to do it all yourself. Are you going to subcontract it out? You're going to hire it. Like what does all that look like? But that's very much a big part of, of running a business. And then when you run your own business, especially, and you, you know, this, a lot of security and tech people, they're really good at what they do, but 
but maybe not so much at being client facing or maybe right. not so much as marketing. So invest in yourself. I did this when I left the bank. I actually got, I took a, a coaching course and actually got certified as a coach because being a leader of so many people, I thought, you know what? I need to amp myself up for this leadership thing and like talking to people and what that looks like. And so invest in yourself on those soft skill fronts as well, not just the 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 tech thing. And that's one thing that I did, but it was before I decided to walk down the path. I, I've been doing this now independent for about a little more than five years. So maybe maybe a year, year and a half less than what you've been doing. Um, I'll often say, and I say this for cybersecurity, but it actually translates well into the business ownership world as well. One of the best things that I've done that was the most productive was going to uh, through Toastmasters, Competent Communicator, ah, Competent yep. Leadership, because Perfect. there that expands and you learn more about how to communicate, how to listen in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I never thought about how Toastmasters helped me in the early days of the business, but now that I think about it, it really did. Oh, I'm sure it did. That's exactly right. That was a great way to invest in yourself. And yep. I'm glad I did beforehand because really when I started my business, I did it all wrong. I flew by the seat of my pants. Now I adopted, adapted real fast. <laughs> That's to what mistakes. we do. <laughs> but 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 it seemed like that every day. I remember the first, and I, I digress. I'll get back on topic in a second. But I remember <laughs> the first day when I was, after I had left my full-time job and I'm actually sitting and I'm like, well, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. You have to be self-motivated. Like nobody tells you the parts. <laughs> it was scary. It was scary. Well, the reason why that that you and I, part of the reason why you and I do what we do is because there's a significant problem out there for small and mid-sized businesses. Sure they have so much risk, so much threats that are, and 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 that's actually how the virtual CISO um discipline evolved in that just sometimes small businesses don't need and nor can afford a full-time CISO, but they need that experience. That's correct. Uh, from your perspective, and you've been doing this for quite some time, just like me as well, what would you say would be the most significant threat today to small and mid-sized businesses from a cyber information security perspective? Yeah, so I think the biggest threat is ignoring it, quite honestly, or under, or under, um, you know, under, prioritizing it, which I see all the time. Sadly, there's so much noise in the marketplace about, oh, buy this tool, push this magic button, download this thing, and look at that, you're there magically. Okay, you and I both know that is very unrealistic, and that is actually going to put a company in a false sense of security, which is going to put them in a, in a worse position. And so really, quite honestly, uh, what what I see is the biggest threat is ignoring it. I, I, I have actually worked with companies who've had a breach, and they still don't take it seriously. Okay. You're your worst enemy in that case. And then, and then I've talked to many small business owners who are like, Oh, I'll just download this policy. I'll be done by tomorrow. Okay. You're missing the whole point of this thing. Absolutely. The whole point. And so I, I think it's really, it's the, you know, it's, it's the not, not appreciating how important this thing is and, and then not being honest with yourself you know, it's kind of like what we're talking about on running a business. I had to come to the place that, look, I'm not a marketing expert and I, I can read the books, but I'm still not a marketing expert. So I'm going to go find somebody who is, and that's exactly what we do. And I'm going to, and I'm going to listen and leverage their expertise. Right. So I think it's that reality of, okay, if I have the expertise, great. And being honest with yourself as being a small business or an SMB, um, if I can hire it, if I can afford that, great, go do that. 
But then what too many of them are doing is, oh, I read this, I Googled it, I read this article, I, I know what I need to do, or I bought this $10,000 tool. If that button turns green, then I'm good. Okay, not even close to the exercise. You know, a uh, couple of comments in there. First of all, with regards to risk assessment, I, I often say that and I and I'm joking about this, but I I half joke. You know that there are various ways that you can treat a risk. You can you mm -hmm. can mitigate it. You can transfer it. You can uh, accept it. You can um, get rid of the risk. I can't remember what the name of that Avoid. is. Avoid. Thank you. Yeah, um, and then and and then and then I joke that well, and, and of course you can always ignore it too. Uh, head in the yeah, sand, ostrich. That is the fifth one. <laughs> you can do that, but that is the most ineffective. And a lot of times, boards seem to want to do that. I've I've come across that as well too. And I, it's and and that's why um, I won't work with folks that are just trying to uh, get yeah. compliant with something. It's like you got to actually build your security program. Yeah, we we we're the same. So Hotman Group, we work with we call it business leaders with integrity. Um, and so it's folks who really do want to do the right thing, folks who are committed to, hey, I want to I want to protect my business and I want to make the best choices. And then, yeah, you have to creatively move through the landscape. You know, companies aren't made of money. There's not endless time. They don't have endless resources. So you have to figure out how to accomplish the goal through that. But, yeah, I, I, same as you. If somebody's like, hey, I'm just trying to push the button, then go find somebody else to push the button with with you <laughs> well and and unfortunately i think in our field too we have we have folks that are not really providing the service that they say that they will i've, I've come across you probably have come across something similar with this one example that comes to mind is um where a little while back was working with a new client and of course when you first start working with a new client what do you need to do? You need to do some sort of discovery. What is the as yeah. is? Where are we starting from? Yeah, that's our starting point. Yep. <laughs> right. And so you ask for policies, procedures, you ask for yeah. vulnerability assessments and pen testing, anything that's been done. And yeah. they gave me this penetration test and it was horrible. It was basically, yeah, it was basically a scan mm -hmm. that didn't run effectively. And so the scan picked up no vulnerabilities and therefore they had no um, vulnerabilities to test against. And yet the report said, it was just a few pages long, but the report said, we started this on Tuesday and we finished our testing on the next Wednesday and this and that and everything. We have, uh, we're happy to say that we could not exploit any vulnerabilities. Uh -huh. And I was just, I was disgusted. I'm like, yeah. anybody looking at this could be like, they didn't do anything and they charged whatever they charge for you know, for those sorts of things. But people don't know what they don't know. That's mm -hmm. where it comes back to being honest with yourself to go, do I really have the expertise and the skill set to do this? Or do I need to let somebody come alongside and help in a way that obviously, you know, makes sense? I've heard that. I've actually heard it the other way as well, that um, I've, I've literally, literally somebody told me the story that a pen test, same thing. It, they did not want them. They did not want to give to their management Oh, so this is the risk. Us, it, it's the other side thing. of it where it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm hiring you to do a pen test. Yeah, we're checking the box, but I don't, you know, mm -mm. and so they did a crappy job on the pen test on purpose. Um, and so, and so unfortunately you just got, that's that noise in the marketplace that I talk about and it goes both ways. Yeah. And that's, and that's where uh, part, part of that too, is where, where you have someone, an organization when they're starting out with the pen test, they say, okay, this is out of scope. 
that's a big red flag for, to me. It's like, well, why is this out of scope? And and this has happened before as well, I'm sure with you too. The, the common response is, well, uh, that could bring down systems if you're pen, you know, if you're penetration testing against it. We're worried about it bringing down systems. Well, that is the exact reason why we should do that. I mean, that's what we're trying to prevent. We want to find that out before. Beforehand. Yes, that's exactly right. But you know what's changing or what's I've noticed has changed in the marketplace is the customers are getting smarter. Mm-hmm. So go back a few years. Yes, you still had security questionnaires. Yes, you still had to ask for the SOC 2 reports. Yes, you still that was more check the box. Now I've talked to several companies this year um, that and actually clients that we have that they now it's like, oh, my customer is questioning this. They're questioning that. I don't have a good answer for them. They're asking more pointed, more like you just said. Why is you know why is the scope this? Like if you think about like a SOC two, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they're getting smarter, which is I think causing a lot more of these SMBs to be like, okay, I got to have a good answer for these people, and they're asking harder questions now. So I got to be able to give better answers. And so I think that is helping to actually shift things to a positive state. And cyber insurance um, underwriters are doing the same thing as well. They too. are. That's another source. That's uh, it's it's, it's no longer like that one sheet or two yep. sheet where you got 10 or 15 questions and just click, that's click, correct. click. Yeah. They're asking for- They're getting smarter. That's right. And so yeah. it's like- Ah, yeah, no, it's exactly right. So the world is shifting, which is causing pain in organizations because now they're having to deal with it. But ultimately, it's going to improve the entirety of the landscape, which they is can't quite- they can't ignore the risk anymore, because the more that you hear about it, the more it's like that responsibility of like, um, oh, I can't remember uh, the, the there was like an alcohol delivery service called like Drizzly or something like that. This okay. this was just out. Um, uh, I posted it on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. I'd have to go back through and see it. But long story short, they had two breaches. The between the first and the second, they didn't fix what caused the breach. And uh, the FTC is going after the CEO now. Oh yeah, because you had. They're saying that you had a responsibility to make sure that I was. I'm I'm loving the fact now that there's there's that push on more accountability from the C-suite, which forces them to not ignore the risk anymore because now the risk is now personal to them. That's right. That's exactly right. We made it personal because you were responsible. That's what Sarbanes-Oxley did. So that's the discipline coming, right? And so that's the same way it is in a SOX program. You are personally attesting that you, that these things are in place there's no deviations per you know and you know we're going through a certain measure of due diligence to make sure that all of that is is valid but you're right i, I mean it's a very interesting dialogue. Now, some people will tell you the CISO shouldn't be, you know, single-handedly responsible because quite honestly, a lot of times the business will shut them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've worked with companies that the CISO has, you know, is a person of integrity, has every intent to do things right. And then the CEO, CEO goes off and does what he wants to do. Okay. Well, that then, you know, where is that accountability lie? But like in that particular case, you know, just CYA yourself, right? Like you went through the process, you can show that you highlighted the risk and you did the evaluation. And if the business decided to accept the risk at an, at above the threshold, that's on them then, but at least all that is in place. Yes. Document it, document it, document, because the primary, uh, this is what I always preach, the primary or a primary role of the, uh, the CISO or the virtual CISO is to provide 
sufficient and complete information on the threat and risk environment so that the C-suite and the board of directors can make risk-informed decisions. And, and so long right. as you do that, yep. then you have done your job. If they decide to accept the risk, document it and move on. That's right. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean move on from the job, but you know no. that you might want to as well, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it's just even talking about the risk and the liability stresses me out a little bit. And <laughs> it's, it's real. The um, is real. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of stress in cybersecurity and there's a lot of stress in being a business owner as well, too. And you, you're kind of checking those, no pun intended, but you're checking those boxes there. <laughs> nope. um, what's one thing that you do to help get away from the stress and decompress? Yeah, so we uh, we live in Texas. Uh, my husband and I both are native Texans, and we run Hotman Group together. And so we like we have a place in Central Texas we like to escape to, and it's super quiet and can see actually see the stars. There are stars in the sky because you're away from the city and all the lights. And one of our we like to spot the satellites in the sky because at the right time after the sun goes down, you can actually see them up there, which is cool. We've seen the ISS several times. Ah. Uh, we deer hunt. And so we come out here and just kind of decompress. That's actually where we are now. So (laughs) yeah, it's deer season in Texas. And so we just kind of hang out and we have uh, several fur babies and they're always willing to give hugs and that helps to bring the stress down. But, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's something that COVID taught everybody too, is it's balance in life. You know, I love that the world is so remote now because now I can still, I can work and I can be really good at what I do, but I can still live my life. And so a lot of people I think are embracing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really important. Like we work hard, but we definitely play hard and we take our time and, you know, make sure and don't get like men- mentally drained and have those things to like renew, like checking out of the city. That's such a, it's almost like hitting the, the, the reboot button on the computer. So it's, it's really nice. Oh, that's, that's great. And you obviously have great internet access out there. So, uh, so <laughs> funny story. So there's no water out here. We do rainwater capture, but there's. <laughs> but fiber runs down the road. We're literally, (laughs) I'm not even making this up. It's hilarious. The whole County got like a grant. And so all on all the County roads, there's, there's fiber. So we Uh have excellent internet, but the closest town is 25 minutes away. So we are literally in the middle of nowhere. It's rather humorous. That's, I was thinking that you probably had Starlink was going to be my guess, but, uh, but, but, but you have better, (laughs) you have better connectivity than I have at at my house in a suburban neighborhood because I don't have fiber. So that's awesome. It's kind of a funny story, but it's such a huge blessing because we can come out here and, you know, uh, sometimes we'll stay a week or two and, um, you know, doesn't matter. Still running a business, still working hard, still getting stuff done, still helping our clients. And yet, you know, here we are, we're also, I get to step outside and, and see the the beautiful creation. I like to say that we were virtual before virtual was cool. We figured it out beforehand. So we sure did. Yeah. I agree. The world finally <laughs> caught up. I love it. <laughs> and I still love FaceTime. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to, you know, meet people in person and have FaceTime. There's certainly a place for that. But just to go and occupy a desk, yeah, I can I can do that anywhere. Well, uh, that's why um I I ended up the first six months when I went independent, I was working from home and it was driving me crazy. And I ended up going to a co-working space. And then eventually as time went on, um, 
ended up doing an office here because I need to be around people. Um, right. But but it's great to have that uh, autonomy and freedom and flexibility. It's like, oh, if I want to leave now, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to yeah. the gym. You know, all that's that right. Stuff. Yep. <laughs> Very so, nice. So um, future plans, growing the Hotman Group, other things? Yeah, yeah we um, we love what we do and we help clients really come alongside and look at the entirety of their cyber program and then help them to achieve their security compliance objectives. And so I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm a nerd and I love this stuff. Plus I, I get bored easily. So cyber and security compliance is a great space because while we've been on this phone call, it's changed. The world has changed. It's yeah. Cool. And so I love that. And, and, you know, and people are trying to run their businesses and trying to be successful at that. They don't need to try to learn this discipline too. So it's a, it's a huge honor to be able to come alongside business leaders and really help augment them and help them with their security overall. And very, you know, we have a great group of, of clients and folks that we work with and, and it's just, it's wonderful. So it's fun. Uh, it's exciting. I, I, I'm going to sound like a millennial when I say this, but it's making the world a better place. I know that sounds kind of, you know, trivial or trite or whatever, but the reality is what we do is it's a social ill at this point. There are companies that are collecting data that they're not treating with the respect that it's not their data. It does not belong to them. It belongs to other people. And that is becoming a, a social ill. And so I love that what we do, we actually get to pour in and make the world a better place. Companies should go after profit objectives. That's great, but do it in a safe way and do it yeah. in a do it in a way that makes you a good steward for the for the data that you that you have in your midst. So yeah, just growing the Hotman Group, having fun every day, working with great people, and making the world a better place. For lack of a better way to say it, <laughs> I, I agree with everything except for that. I have to defend um, the Gen X uh, that we were making the world a better place. Remember, we were teaching the world how to sing and drink Coca Cola. Okay. Oh <laughs> So, so, so it's not any, the, the millennials have adopted it. Okay. But, but we were the original make the world a better place. And then a boomer or greatest generation is going to come around and say, no, 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 we were doing it we during the big band area. Hysterical. <laughs> well, it's a good idea. Whoever came with it. Came Amen. With it. Well, cause it used to be, I mean, I remember when I was starting my career, I mean, it used to be, you didn't even think about what the company did. It's like, am I getting a paycheck? Do I have opportunity right. to grow? Like, it's all about that. Uh, what's my title. And then it's so interesting. The world is just different now where it's like, you know, a lot of people don't care about titles. Some people don't even care about full time. They only want to work this much to just support mm -hmm. their lifestyle. They still want to raise their kids, have their fun, travel, whatever it is they want to do. And that's a great thing. And then when I do spend my time working, what value am I putting into the world? Oh, I got a paycheck. Well, that's not a whole lot of value at the end of, you know, at the end of things. Right. Looking back life, but I can look back and go, yeah, I work for this company and, you know, oh, my little part helped this, this, and this. And so there's, there's immense satisfaction in all of that. It's all when I've said this before, I said this at a talk that I did about two months ago, that when I look back on my career, the things that really make a difference, not the title, not the salary, it's, it's oh. that I remember rather not the title, not the salary, but the fact that I made a difference. And I'm not saying my career is over yet. But that's a driving force. Yeah, it is. Well, it should be. I love it. 
Jerry, thank you so much for joining. It's, it's a, a wonderful conversation. Totally enjoyed it. I wish that we had more time because I, I, I could talk forever. <laughs> so. well, I did. It was very nice. Thank you so much for inviting me on to your show. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Absolutely. And everybody stay secure. <laughs>